Thanks for listening to The Wild Women Who Write, Kathy Nichols, Kim Connery, Elizabeth Jones, Kat Filer, and Gabby Anderson. This week we have with us Tanya Todd. Tanya is an author, actress, and Sin City cinephile. Her fiction explores the infinite hues of what drives us all, relationships and desires. Lack of diversity in literature inspired Tanya's stories. Her involvement in the literacy, theater, and filmmaking communities provides a platform to champion marginalized artists and contribute toward an environment that embraces a variety of voices. In fact, Tanya teaches workshops on diversity and inclusion. Tanya served on the board as Henderson Writers Group's education chair for four years and still coordinates their Dime Grinds, a program that exposes authors to the public via monthly meet and greets. An active literary citizen, she also belongs to Las Vegas screenwriters and writers of Southern Nevada. She has short stories in Vegas Writers, Love in the Dunes, Tales from the Silver State Four, and Authors Portraits, Las Vegas. Her nonfiction is featured in NPR's Desert Companion. Follow her on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Welcome, Tanya. We're happy to have you. Thank you for having me. It's been really lovely meeting you ladies. We understand you teach a successful workshop about incorporating diversity and inclusion in writing, and we're certainly interested in that. And at some point, I think we've all picked up a book and seen an attempt at this kind of inclusion and maybe cringed a little at the delivery, you know, because sometimes we appreciate the attempt and maybe we've even done it ourselves. But in the attempt, there's these stereotypes or cliches and it ends up being a swing and a miss maybe. And so I think there is a need for this type of guidance if we want to do this. So tell us a little bit about how we can do a better job. And then, and I know you teach this as a workshop and that takes a lot longer than the time that we maybe have here. But what are some of the main things that you would like us to know as we attempt to do this as writers? First and foremost is that the work is never done. You can't take one class and then magically know how to do this in your work. It's just like writing. You have to continue practicing if you want to get better at it. You can't stop using that muscle. But if you think about it not as I'm writing about a blank person or a blank person, an X person or a Y person, think about it as just you're writing outside of your experience. Let's say that you want to write a main character who is an astronaut, and that's not the job that you've had in your life. That has not been your lived experience. Wouldn't you need to do some research before you start writing about how this astronaut goes about his or her life? Wouldn't you need to find out what is the day-to-day like for this person? What are some of the vocabulary terms that are involved in their life? You want to read about them. Make sure that you do your research in terms of watching things for astronauts and by astronauts so that you can get that perspective. And it's the same thing about just writing about someone who has a different sexuality than you have or a different race than you have or a different gender or a different gender identity. You want to put that information inside of you. You know, we're taught to write what we know. Well, if you don't know, you need to learn it, right? You can't just make it up. But also remember that at our core, we're all flesh and blood. We're driven by the desire to be loved, the desire to be seen, the desire to be heard. We have the same job troubles. That stuff is the same. And so if you keep that in mind, that there aren't as many differences as you think, and that the differences that are there, learn about them and be open to to accepting that maybe you don't see it as a difference, but 
It is. If you're being told by someone in that community that it is a difference, listen to that. Why is that being said? I feel like, I know there's been a lot of discussion about, I guess it's cultural appropriation. I'm not sure that's the right term for this, but... At times. Yeah, I would not try to make a main character uh, or try to present a view from a main character of completely different experience, even if I did the research. I would do minor characters, supporting characters, secondary characters. I'd give that a try, but I don't think there's any way I could ever research enough to understand the actual experience. Like when I hear about the immigrants who've marched for or walked for 20 days or whatever longer than that, and I don't think I could ever feel that and get it down. I could write about myself welcoming someone like that, get to know what that experience is like and show them through my limited view and let the reader know it was a limited view, you know, like present that. How do you feel about authors trying to actually, like the American Dirt, uh, the book was like to me very good, but trauma porn. I mean, I, I just, if I hadn't been in a book club, I don't know if I could have finished it because it was just so much. And it was written by a woman who couldn't have possibly known what that felt like. Uh, I don't even know how I feel about it. I'm not condemning or anything. It's just such an interesting topic and such an important thing because, you know, like Emily Dickinson, she wrote about seeing the, about the ocean. She's never seen the ocean. It's that balance. And I, I don't know. What do you think about that? First, I want to say that there are two different narratives here and, One is about the importance of own voices stories. So your part about appropriation, I absolutely understand people saying, hey, instead of stealing our stories, how about you help us promote our own? And that is because historically in publishing, other voices, and I say that in quotes because they shouldn't be considered other, they should be considered equal along with all of the voices, but ones that are considered underrepresented, they haven't been allowed to tell their own stories. And there's that disparity, which makes it feel unfair if somebody else gets to be the one telling that story. At the same time, I'm extremely anti-censorship, and I don't believe that we have the right to tell people what they are and are now not allowed to write. If you don't like the way they're telling the story, don't read it. And I think if more people wrote outside of their own identities, if we all did it all the time, It wouldn't be an other. It would just be normal. We would all see these characters all the time, and it wouldn't feel like, oh, this is a blank story. It's just a story. And if we're not all doing it, then we're going to continue to have that label of that's a black story, that's a gay story, that's a trans story. And I don't want it to feel like that. I don't want us to have to stick to these boxes. I mean, I'm biracial. There's no biracial shelf in the bookstore. I like that balance viewpoint you know I, I had a gay character well I have a, a lesbian couple in Stealing Aries and I was consulting with my daughter on them who is gay and non-binary and they they were telling me you know I think that's great they just said what what irritates me and they said I don't I don't mind if if people write gay characters they said I just get frustrated when gay character is like always the villain and they're saying for the longest time when you saw gay characters in stories, they were the bad guy. They were just always the bad guy. And they were like, and that would even be okay. Like, I'm not saying that a gay person can't be a villain in a story. That's fine. As long as within the story, you would have 
say, just a regular old gay person in the same story. But if they're always the villain, if the straight person is always writing them as the villain, then it's a problem because it, it's almost telling you that the straight person somewhere in their psyche sees a gay person as inherently evil or bad in some way. And so she was like, I'm fine if you want to make them a villain. Just just have me a normal gay person in that story, right. you know, to show that you're just not villainizing the gay folks. So, because these like, images balance. have power. These words have power. And if that is the only representation that you're getting is the villain, then people start assuming. And it's not something that they do on their own. It's just when this is what you're fed, that's what your brain tends to retain. That, oh, gay people are villains. Gay people are villains. That's what I've been fed over and over. And no, that is not the case. We need to have equal representation. And that includes making sure that we have everyone being villains not just white people, because that's, that's a trend I'm seeing change now. Like, that's not, that's not the shift we need. We need equality. We don't need to swing the pendulum in the other direction. But I think equality is the issue. And if we start flooding the market with diverse works, all of us, not just people who are directly involved or directly identify with that, then the publishing houses won't be able to say, oh, we already have a story with this kind of character in it, so we're going to go with this one instead of yours. I mean, how many white male characters are there in stories? Do you think they ever get told, hey, we already have a story with someone identifying like that? Sorry, you know, we like your story, but we already have that on our list right now. I don't think it's fair for Black authors to be told, we already have a Black story on our list right now. We already have a gay story on our list right now. I hadn't thought that was that type of thing was going on, but of course it is. So many of the publishing companies and the editors and the agents are wanting diversity. They're asking for it, but then I guess they're also saying, oh, I just got one. I don't have right. Like, there's only one. Yeah. Quota filled. I remember years ago when I first started working, I wrote copy for a radio station and I said something about we, there should be some women you know, DJs. And the guy was like, oh, nobody would listen to our station if we did that. And I said, well, they would if there were women on every station, they wouldn't have a choice. And someday there will be. And he just looked at me like I was from outer space. So I think that that's the same kind of thing that we're seeing here. You're right. If we just keep doing it, people are going to eventually pick up the books and think, oh, this is just a good book. It, right. Know. It's just normal. This is the way we don't live in a homogenous society. So why should our stories look like we do? Unless that's some kind of weird dystopian place, like your story takes place someplace where everybody looks the same and it's creepy. Okay, <laughs> that's part of your story. But in general, you walk outside and you see people who look different from you, who speak differently than you, who live different lives, they have different religions. Why wouldn't your world in your story be populated with the same kind of diversity? And if you're not comfortable making someone different from you a main character, then don't do it. I'm not saying everyone has to do it, but I don't want people to be afraid to do it because of what other people will think. Just like your prose, you want to go to critique groups, let other people see your work, hire a sensitivity reader to make sure that you are... Hire multiple sensitivity readers if you really want to be thorough because not all, not all any identity is created the same. We don't have, all have the same experience. But do your due diligence to make sure that your astronaut can say, hey, yes, that's true. That is what life is like. Or no, this is not at all how this would happen. This is not what I would be feeling. 
this is really just not an issue. Make sure you have someone review the work so that you know that you're doing a good job. And I think that that's what writers should be doing anyway, no matter what they're writing. You also yes, do yeah. a series of podcasts about something that's a, recently a very hot topic and a, just a, an infuriating and frustrating topic <laughs> to many readers and writers. And I, I think Kathy was very interested in this as well as a, a former school teacher uh, for many, many years. And um, Kathy, would you like to talk about this some with Tanya? It's so strange to me that it just come, it comes back. It's like a, a bad penny turning up because the, the school library is probably going to already be a little self-censored. I mean, they're going to try to do age-appropriate books for high school kids. But when you look at it, I think Huckleberry Finn was banned. I mean, just about everybody. I probably catch her in the rye. I'm not sure. But a lot of the books that we read as part of the canon, you know, which I'm, we're kind of torturing kids sometimes. We need to probably move a little away from that. But it's unfathomable to me. I just have a really hard time with somebody who looks at a book and because of one thing, they say, no one should read this book or hasn't even read the book is usually what's going on. You know, they've heard what someone else has said. And I, I wish there were a tactful and kind way to deal with this, but I'm just afraid there isn't. I think that's what bothers me. You can't really have much of a discussion on this because if you're willing to ban a book, you're going to ban how other people think. And you're not going to want to hear. It's very difficult for you to open up. You can't open your a book. You can't open your mind. So what do we do? Well, I think that having conversations is the main point here. We want to open up a discourse and make sure that we are spreading the word to as many people as possible. So, okay, the person who says they want to ban the book, maybe they feel like they're not being heard. I would say it's a very easy assumption to make that if they won't open a book, they won't open their mind. And I try not to fall into, <laughs> into okay. that mindset because then you don't try. Then you don't put action behind your advocacy. Even if they don't hear you, even if they don't want to participate in the conversation, you should still be open to it. And I was thinking a really good way to do that is to tell people why it's important for that book to be there what it offers, what it offers to right. a specific group, to a specific child, or to the experience of growing up. And maybe if we come at them with beautiful passages from the book and just say, here's, here's what the book can do, what it can open up for the reader, and the other the things that are there, they're not just thrown in for no reason. They're thrown in to, to help you understand the beauty versus certain parts of reality which aren't beautiful or painful or, you know, the, the pain. So that's a, that's a good way if you can get people to listen. That's part of the reason I'm doing these banned books conversations because I, I've put together seven different panels covering seven different books that were banned. And each day of Banned Books Week, I'm going to put out one episode and there are conversations about why the book was banned, what people didn't like about it, and why we think there's value in reading them. I wouldn't say that we are reading passages from them, but that 
that's a good idea to maybe do next year if I continue the series, just to share a bit of the beauty from it. But it's more like testimony about what we took from the books and why it's important for them to remain on the shelves and available. And my biggest thing is it's not for you to take away my choice. And I don't think it's for any of us to take away someone else's choice. Tools that are available, it's usually being taken away from students. One of the things that you want teachers to do is help students to learn how to think for themselves. If you remove their materials, they do not have the tools to develop that skill. If they never come across a book where racism takes place, how are they supposed to know how to deal with it when they're out in the real world and it happens to them? You will learn about other people's experiences. You will learn maybe something about yourself or your history. Closing the book does not mean these things didn't happen. What you're doing is you are ignoring the fix going forward. You're not allowing people to have these conversations and discuss, well, how does it make you feel to learn that this happened? How does it make you feel to see images like this? And what can we do about that? And it also, as a former teacher, it's very insulting to educators because we've studied these things. We, are, we aren't just popping them out. We're reading them ourselves. We're watching students react to them. We're tailoring some of our choices to our populations. And we're thinking about it. And we haven't made these choices on some random basis. We've made them on the basis of our educational experience, our training, our relationship with students. And when someone comes in, it's very difficult not to be defensive and, and um, because you're being dismissed. And one of the right. reasons... They're, they're stealing your choice, that you don't get to develop your own lesson in your classroom. And I'm afraid that that's one of the reasons we are losing teachers and are going to continue to. Of course, the poor pay and the being watching children get killed, that, that's uh, higher up on that list. But it's also just not respectful to a profession. You wouldn't tell a doctor which scaffold to use. Right. Scapel. I can't talk today. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's frustrating. That's an excellent point. I mean, teachers have trained to do this job. So who gets to be the person to determine you aren't doing your job the way I want you to do your job? Here are your materials. You don't get a say in your lesson plan anymore. And that's kind of why I trained so that I could do this. And you have zero training here. And I know that sometimes it's parents who are doing it. Sometimes it's other teachers. Sometimes it's administrators. Sometimes it's just a patron to the library who has decided, I don't want this in the library where I'm, I'm helping to fund. But if you don't like the material, don't read it. And most of the time, well, all of the time, we, have an we had an alternative selection if it was something that was going to be done as a class. Now, we couldn't tailor a lesson to it, but we would have a study guide and things that the kid, if they wanted to read it on their own, kids don't want to do that. But, and I almost never had a parent take me up on that because usually I mean, they had to be involved in some way in the discussion. But the parents should be involved in the discussion. But I do too. Many but, don't want to do their job. And, you know, working two jobs and whatever. I, right. I, I'm, I'm, I understand, but it's also, then let someone else handle that because you're too busy or, or you're too... That's a good way. point. Not everyone has the luxury. And that's, that's an area. Watch my mouth, check my privilege. Not everybody yeah. has the option. <laughs> if you're working two to three jobs, maybe you just don't have it within you 
to do one more thing. Like you're barely just trying to feed your child and keep a roof over their head. And, and so let us do it. Let the, as a teacher, let us help in that and trust us. I know Elizabeth oh, had a really interesting question that she had thought of earlier that, um, cause you're, you're such a multifaceted individual, you know, with your writing and your acting and Lizbeth had a, a question that I thought was really interesting. Yeah. I thought if, if it's okay to shift gears for a minute over into the acting as, uh, Kim mentioned in the intro that you have your films listed on IMDb. So we don't want to neglect that aspect of you. I was just remembering how I went to a writer's workshop several years ago that was led by an actor from the 80s and 90s. And she showed us how she prepares to inhabit her characters that she's going to perform and how writers can use that same method for when they're developing their characters. And I was just wondering if you also found that overlap between writing and acting to be something that you go to when you're writing your characters. Definitely. Both, both have informed the other to make me stronger in both areas. And in fact, I started out as a writer, wrote about a, a woman who became an actress, and that somehow manifested into my own life, which helped me to revise that, that book better because I started going through these experiences, which informed you know, her whole setting and the decisions that are made on set and some things that I had written are not accurate at all, you know? <laughs> but that's <laughs> three days to do a single commercial for one scene. No, it moves much faster than that. <laughs> that's interesting that it seems like the book you were writing and then the life and career are mirroring each other then. Like you were writing these two things into being at the same time. Is that kind of how it went? It's absolutely how it went. I, wow. I this crazy long book, didn't know what I was doing, that came to me in a dream. Not only did I end up with her career, she was paid a certain severance when she stopped working her job. My, the owner of the company where I used to work came to me and said, I'm so sorry, I have to lay you off, but I think you'd be a good actor and, write, or actor and model, so I have this friend I'd like to introduce you to to get you started in the career, because I don't want to leave you hanging, I just can't afford to pay you anymore. Gave me the exact same amount of money that she had, and he didn't know I wrote the book, because I hadn't told anybody yet. I was, it was still like in the first draft. That's incredible. It's like you're in charge of your own simulation. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're deciding how this is going to go. That's really great. And it's not the only thing that has come true that I have written. Like it's made me a little wary. Like, all right, if I'm going to base any kind of character on someone I care about, nothing too horrible can happen to them. Right. Which goes against what you do to your characters when you're writing, because there's more tension if they have more problems. I, I have to be very careful because of how much has come true. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of the, the whole process is just reflecting what's already in our head anyway. I, and so. I ended up going to London because of a story, I mean, I can't say because of the story, but I feel like I manifested it with the story of an author and actress. This is, again, before I started acting. She was an author and actress who went to London for research on her book, and then I did that. <laughs> it was just, all right, I never thought I'd go to London, and I've gone twice now. So oh, wow. I, I'm going to try to manifest some other amazing things. What I really need to do is write a book about someone getting their first publishing deal. Because all these stories I've written, I'm still on submission. I, I don't have a book deal yet. Maybe it can be a short story. So you know. Yes, <laughs> write a short story about the first publication. 
I think you should write a book about that, about how you are, you found yourself in charge of your own simulation. That would be kind of fascinating. Uh, uh, I can see all sorts of cool things coming from that. And talking about your short story, uh, I listened to you read the first one about Sasha and she's getting ready to go out. She has the outfits and the process of choosing. And I thought you so nail the female experience of trying to pick something that makes you look good, but doesn't make you look like uh, you're interested in a relationship or it doesn't make, you know, like you want to uh, become closer. It, it's just didn't get to hear the ending of it. But it, to me, it was just such a perfect representation of what women go through. And even though I'm a good deal older, it was still something I could relate to. And I'm sure uh, so many young women could relate to that as well, like how, the, the choices and the ways that we do that. Or the, do, you cons- do you feel like that comes through a lot in your stories? Or, or was that just one that caught me? I am intimately familiar with Sasha. She, she's that character that became the actress. And when I started writing the story, I didn't think she was me. I'm writing about this character from my dream, you know? And I took a class called it, it was a truth and writing workshop. And in this class, I learned that Sasha is me. All of my characters are me. <laughs> Even some of the, the villains are me, but none of them are each other. And once I accepted that, I didn't restrict so much because sometimes I would try to not put myself in the story. I would say, oh, no, I don't want people to think I'm writing about myself, so I'll change this detail. And it was the truth for that character. So what I was doing is I was hindering my story by restricting it and censoring myself because I was worried what people thought of me. Well, I shouldn't worry about that. I should just let the character be. They have their own personalities. Like Once you get them started, they make their decisions. I tried to rename a character once because there's another popular story with a character with that name. And it's like, I don't want people to think that I'm copying that name. And he was like, no, this is my name. I'm keeping this name and you don't get to change it. I will listen to you and let you keep your name and not care about what the world thinks. And I'm much better about not worrying about how people are going to respond to what I write. But when you're new, you have all kinds of anxieties. That This is one voice that I've decided, you know what? I'm not going to worry about that. I will focus on writing the best story that I can and honoring my characters. And if it happens to correlate with my own life, great. I have something to, you know, I have source material. And if it doesn't, then I will learn what I need to and listen to my characters and let them guide me. I just have a quick thing and it's, it's just a quick question. I was watching the trailer for the wild within and I noticed, <laughs> it was very interesting, I noticed that the guy's like boiling the tea kettle and he puts it up on the table and it bumps into this thing that looks like a human brain. Is that what that is? How about I send you the full film? Okay. Because I was like, I don't what? do spoilers. Okay. I don't like to ruin right. people's experience, I like, but I will send you the full film and you can watch all it. All right, because I was like, I, I went back and I looked at it again. I'm like, is that what I think it is? It was really good. You've done things with like horror movies or. Oh, horror, yes. Does that stick with you? Scary stuff? I'm not usually the victim. 
but also yes <laughs> it does my first time playing a villain and you know i use the term loosely because when you're playing the character you're not the villain you're the protagonist in your story this shoot went into like it was like 11 45 at night and i'm going into the parking lot i'm finished you know we've wrapped i go out and i'm just feeling like i'm on top of the world there's some person who comes out in, in this creepy parking lot and like <laughs> they should be worried about me after what I just did. And it's was like, oh, no, shh, remember, you're not that character. Pay attention and take care of yourself. Like you have to, you have to let go of the character and return to maybe self-preservation. You're not really a murderer. <laughs> you just thought you were. <laughs> yeah, not I a murderer, can... but I did play one on TV. <laughs> exactly. I like that a lot. And uh, I've, I've wor- wondered about that. If, you know, I know... I absolutely carry them with me. And I used to be so timid, I couldn't even read my work in public. After reading as Sasha, like my first reading experience in person, I read as Sasha. And I was so nervous that what I did is I dressed in cosplay as my character because she is so bold and fantastic and confident that I just went in there and it was, I'm just going to be Sasha. And this is again, this was before I was officially an actress. It was like my second month of being an actress. So I did not have that skill yet. I was still learning. And then I played Cleopatra. And now everywhere I go, I'm a queen and I don't have to worry about things. <laughs> that's, that's funny. In, in one of my books, I, my protagonist is an author. And she's lost her husband and she's gone through some really difficult things. And she's not timid, but she's not... She's not Cleopatra, and but she creates a character who is take no prisoners. You know, she she if if she sees someone she's interested in, uh, she takes them. If somebody's doing something terrible, she destroys them. I mean, she's just this bold, bold character. And by the end of the book, they're kind of tapping into each other. I mean, her. It's yeah, really. I can a, see it, that. It was really a fun thing to do with the creative process and the whole thing about you know you you can be your you let yourself free when you create your characters and then sometimes they come back to let you free and that is really cool to me recently i had an experience where i was you know you think you're writing about your character you're you're typing along and you get to a point where you learn something about yourself and it's through her mentality it's like oh I didn't realize that I had an issue with this, but apparently I do. <laughs> and it was my character who helped alert me to that. It's like, wow, that was a moment. Now I can get back to work. But yeah, it was enlightening. I think that's what kind of makes ma- uh, writing kind of magical. And why it's so such an allure. Because writing, you write and it's painful sometimes to write. And then you have to read it out loud. And that's terrifying. And then somebody doesn't like it or you get so many rejection letters and whatever. Why do we keep doing it? And I think it's got some kind of a little magical pull to it. It's the only thing that makes sense. Especially because it, it powers us through the pain, you know, the passion powers us through the pain and it's so worth yeah, it. Absolutely. I just went to Dragon Con dressed as my protagonist from Stealing Aries, Harlow Hansen. And it was empowering. Like I get that, you know, it's very empowering, and it, it's worth it. It's worth the rejection that we go through and 
and waiting and, and the stacks of, well, emails now that we get back, <laughs> agents and editors and all that. So if there's no more questions, I wanted to give you a chance to let everyone know about upcoming projects, whether it's writing projects or upcoming podcasts, and if you have workshops coming up that people can register for, um, just anything that you would like our listeners to know. As I mentioned, there's the Banned Books Project, which is called Banned Books Conversations, where radical readers discuss prohibited prose, covering seven different books, and that will be September 18th through 24th, which is Banned Books Week here in America. I happen to co-host She-Hulk Conversations. It's a podcast called She-Hulk Podcast at Large, which is covering each episode of the She-Hulk series. It's a, you know, it's a limited thing, but... Comics in Motion is a big supporter of the things that I do, so I'd like to support them right back. They asked me to co-host. Yes, I will do whatever I can to help you guys because you've been so welcoming. I've been on almost everybody's show as a guest, and then they asked me to co-host the Ms. Marvel Musings, which was really fun. And now I'm doing the She-Hulk series and, you know, getting to meet new people, bring in some of my own guests. It's been really wonderful. I am also teaching... How to Write with Diversity and Inclusion in Mind for the Path to Publishing, Act Like an Author, Think Like a Business Conference. I'm teaching that class on September 24th. The conference is a three-day conference. My two events happen to be on the 24th. And anyone who's interested in attending can message me and I can give you a 50% discount. And then it turns out I'm going to be at the Atlanta Writers Conference next May, teaching how to read your work like a professional how to be a good literary citizen. And again, I believe we're doing a two-hour workshop on how to write with diversity and inclusion in mind. I'm very excited to, to go back to Atlanta. Last time I was there, I was filming. This time we'll be doing writer, writerly things. So I get to explore it from a different aspect, but I get to reconnect with some people that I, I saw when I was there last. And you will be seeing most of us yes. because we're all based in Atlanta except for Kat. And who knows, she may even be able to Come down and be with us, and we'll see you then. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. We really love speaking with you. I've enjoyed meeting all of you. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. Good night. Thank you for joining us tonight. We welcome your comments and invite you to check out our Wild Women Who Write website. Until next time, keep writing and stay wild.